Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm Dave Niven, and this is the Social World Podcast. Now, we've had our summer break. We've had six weeks off, and the world, unfortunately, has not stopped turning, and children, unfortunately, have not stopped being exploited and abused and treated terribly by a small section of adult community. And so we've got a lot of work still to do. Now, today... I'm revisiting an old friend of mine who was a very senior police officer in the at Scotland Yard, Mike Hames, and he was he ended up, I believe, he'll tell me if I didn't get it right, a detective superintendent in charge of the obscene publications branch, and he refocused his whole work to actually encompass the proactive detection of paedophile offenders, and that was a particular speciality of his when he was there. And it's now been, well, I don't know if it still is, but it was renamed the Paedophilia Unit at the Organised Crime Group. Now, there's so much more about Mike I'm going to tell you. But first, just to make sure he's still there, hello and welcome to you, Mike. Thanks, David. I haven't seen you for five years. I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's not, anyway, it's lovely to connect with you again. And I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are on things. But just let me read a little bit more about you, because I think people need to know that you really were quite steeped in this work and uh, at a quite senior level. You actually were uh, UK Interpol representative on the Standing Working Group on Offences Against Children. You chaired the Subcommittee on Law Enforcement Methods, and you were the leading police advocate of legislation to ban the possession of child pornography throughout the member states. And um, I remember working with you around that period and you had a finger in so many prevention pies, as it were. So um, a lot of memories, I suspect, of that time when you were actually at Scotland Yard. Oh, yes. Um, I still I still dream of back being in the police with all my old team. It's, it's very sad, really. But, uh, yes. You're, still, you're working, though, full on still, aren't you, in the private sector? Well, yes, I am. I mean, I'm still doing safeguarding of children. Mm. Uh, I'm working at the moment for a, a company that has 10 children's homes, uh, and they specialise in, in uh, trauma-informed care. And so we take the uh, the most difficult, if you like, Sure. It's not the children that are difficult. It's the fact that their uh, adverse childhood experiences have affected them tremendously. And uh, so we, what we try and do is to address what's happened to them and try and help them to, to deal with it uh, and to hopefully become happy members of, of society. And I, I, I stress the word happy because... Um, you know, the thing that you have to provide is A, safety, and and, and, and B, love and attention in the mm. nicest way, mm. so to, teach, to treat them very well, at the same time as, as trying to address the problems that have, have led them to being in care in the first place. Well, you can give, so, them a, you can give the company a shout-out if you wanted to. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it, they're called Benjamin UK. They operate around the sort of Midlands area, Milton Keynes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's north of Watford, which is a bit of a mystery to me. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, they, they, all, all around there. And um, each home is a, a, a four-bedded a four home. Hmm. Uh, 
and they're set in nice surroundings. They're not just down the street, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, they're like five-star hotels, to be honest. Um, and and uh, I would say something like 80% of our staff are graduates, um, mostly That's in good. Yeah, criminology, psychology, mm. um, and, and, and that sort of things. And, and quite young staff. Um, but we have a few golden oldies because you need them. You know, you need a few mother, father figures. I'm glad you said that. Mm. Mm. So, so yeah, we've got a very mixed, um, staff from, uh, staff from all over the world. Um, and, and they're totally dedicated. You know, they are really dedicated to the kids. Well, your job, if I understand it, is to consult, to advise and to guide them on safeguarding. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's right. And I think safeguarding is the most important element of of mm. looking after children because it, it, it contains all of those, you know, elements that, 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 that need to be addressed. Um, so for, yeah, every, every, everyday things. And so, for, for example, if a child goes missing, um, and by definition, all of these children will be classified as vulnerable because they're in care. And if you go through the list of vulnerabilities, you know, they tick all the boxes. And so we leap into action together with the police, who are brilliant, I have to say, Thames Valley, Bedfordshire, mm. Northampton. Um, and we have our contacts there. So we, 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 we stay in touch with one or two particular individuals who are central to it. Um, and we, we strive not only to get them back, which we do, but to find out what, what triggered this in the first place. You know, why did they yeah. go missing? Because... Very often, oh, to take an example, mm-hmm. what, uh, I'm talking about triggers now. A child will maybe regularly kick off, as they say, in the kitchen around mealtimes. And they might chuck a few plates around. And say, Why was that? When you look into it deeply, you'll find that one of their uh, uh, problems as they were growing up was that they would witness severe domestic violence around mealtimes. You see what I mean? So it sort of triggers mm. things. Um, so we're constantly looking for, for for the triggers that lead to maybe some disruptive behaviour uh, and then try to, what's the word, wean them off, but, but deal with their own feelings because mm. it's got to come from them. I mean, you can't say do this, do that. You've got to actually encourage them to, uh, if you like, control their feelings they might go for a walk they might sit on the stairs and think about it they we've got punch bags in the garden so they can go and punch the bag um so it's it's a system whereby you're looking at what they're doing all of the time in a but not in a sort of a forensic way not an obvious forensic way um because it's important that you gain their trust and what what, what ages are we talking about, Mike? Uh, 12 to 18. Okay. We can take an 11-year-old. Both sexes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, some homes are all boys, some are all girls, and some are mixed. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, they, and, and, and uh, every week they go out as a, as a group um, for a meal uh, and a chat and that sort of thing, and we encourage them to socialise uh, with each other because they haven't had that socialization. You know, okay. it's 
play mm. play nicely now, <laughs> but they and and we've had some amazing results. Um, uh, and in fact, obviously, you don't succeed with them all because they are so severely affected mm. by all the awful things, you know. But yeah. we certainly do make a difference. Okay. So I love doing that. I love doing that. No, yeah, so I can hear it in your voice. I mean, let, let's just for a second or two do a little bit of a, what I would call flip-flop, right? Remembering how things were maybe whilst you were at the yard and, and focusing on the big strategic sort of stuff, but you also had your mm. kind of eyes on, you know, local things and domestic advances mm. and support for, for safeguarding and so on, and how things are now. In terms of, um, I suppose multi-agency working is a big thing now and, and working with other institutions. And I rather suspect that there's a mixed bag coming from you. Is that fair? Yes, in a sense, because I think we're all still learning. Hmm. Wouldn't you think we'd learn by now, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for example, you may have um, a, a, a police officer or officers uh, uh, treats missing children as a bit of a bloody nuisance uh, and, and they've even been heard to say, listen, if you go missing again I'm going to do you for wasting police time yeah. type thing. So in other words, they're looking at them as perpetrators. Yeah. That's changed enormously and they're seen as victims now. And thank God after after Rochdale and Rotherham and all the others mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was one of the problems that we had with the police where they were actually not seeing the kids as victims. And social services, um, mixed as ever, you know, same as the police, but the ones I deal with on a regular basis are great. Um, and, and very often the person who's chairing a strategy meeting, for example, and I do seven of those a week, uh, will probably be the, a senior um, manager, social worker. Mm. And, and they've got it. They've got it. And... Um, you know, we normally end up with with actions that for all of us to do, but decent planning, been... decent planning in your view. Yeah, yeah, very, very good planning, and and planning for the future. Mm-hmm. One of the problems is, of course, that uh, uh, social services are a bit strapped for cash, as we all are, uh, and so there is a, if you like, in the background, this feeling. Well, the sooner we can get this child to independent living, yeah. the better. And a lot of the kids, you know, they might be eighteen. Or 60, but they're 12. If you know what I mean. So we actually help them to progress to independent living by getting them to do their own shopping, their own washing, um, cooking, and, and, and so on. And when they do move on, they receive a tremendous amount of, of support from the staff. We very often give them loads of, you know, bedding and mm. stuff for the, their little rooms and so on. It's, so that, that actually is a point at which I worry, you know, because okay. I think that the fact that the kids have got to leave us at 18. We had one the other day go. He's been with us for five years. Uh, and what a grown-up. I mean, he's more grown-up than a lot of adults I know. Um, sorry to leave, but ready, because we prepared him carefully. Mm. He had a lovely send-off, big party and so Staff took him there. We remain in touch with him um, once a week and then once a month. Uh, and he knows he can always ring. And so I think that, you know, you've got to try and keep that 
that is essential. I, I, I do agree with you there because I was going to ask you in, in what you were saying there about, uh, I mean, I know that Benjamin is a residential care sort of uh, organization, but I can't imagine that you don't keep in touch with foster care provision and aftercare provision because obviously, mm. as you well know, you know, the local authorities have got a responsibility to mm. look after children way beyond 18. Yeah, um, in, in terms of uh, providing support, which I, I do know can be a bit patchy, and it does, does depend on the youngster as well. But I mean, effectively, um, you, you're, you're part of a kind of a triangle in residential care, aren't you, of, mm. of, of aftercare. And what you just said is so good to hear there because most families keep in touch with their children and support <laughs> them. I mean, and that's essentially what you're substituting for there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the ultimate aim, if it's possible, is to get them to go back to their families. And of course, a lot of the families' um, acts, as it were, are the the, the reason why they're in care in the first place. So we also work closely with the families, um, and we have therapists who talk to the to the to the parents together with social services to try and, if you like, mend some of the. Of the problems that um, uh, have, have been uh, that have been driving uh, the kids over some years. I mean, mm. If you've got a parent who or parents who are reliant on alcohol, drugs, and they also have domestic violence, the toxic trio, I call it. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing to have to deal with. Um, and if you add on to that, you know, the sex abuse, the neglect, the Emotional abuse. Yeah, you'll never be any good. You're rubbish. Awful stuff to deal with. And so we try, we do address all of that. Um, yeah. And these are very acute kind of things, appreciated totally. But I'm just also thinking that when you and I first met each other, which is what, about 25 years ago now, yes. and we were doing our own sort of thing, but coming together on a couple of things, um, social media didn't exist. Really, mm. I mean, I mean, and now it's it's absolute kind of consumption uh, by by young people has, in my view, mainly been a threat rather than a, a benefit. Uh, and although there are some benefits in social media, I don't think anybody can deny that. But the threats are still raw, aren't they? Oh, dreadfully. I mean, I think that that's probably. The main area that we need to 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 concentrate on, because the kids have got their iPhones, um, laptops. Uh, I mean, we get we, we let them use laptops, but supervised, and we also make sure that they can't access anything horrible. Um, but but then you know you get sexting and and people trying to groom children online. They've got their phones as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've got the phones. I, <laughs> And, and, and the thing is that the kids, you can't say to a child that you can't have an iPhone, you can't have a phone. We do sometimes, I mean, sometimes there, that might be a condition mm. uh, of a court, a court order, um, okay. or condition right. from social services. But, saying, but we always make sure they've got a phone because if they go missing, how are we going to contact them? So okay. at least if they've got a brick phone, they've got something because it, as soon as a child goes missing, over and above, you know, the time that, that, that each kid's mm. plan kicks in. 
Um, and That's we phone, yeah. phone them, phone them, phone them, phone them. Um, sometimes they'll answer, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll tell you lies about where they are. But at least mm. you know they're still alive. Um, and, and also the police can do things as well. Uh, Talking about children missing, actually, sort of as a nice little segue into something you, you, you used to front up quite a bit when you did a lot of work with Interpol, didn't you? And, and you, 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 you liaised with people like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the United States and, yeah. in, and in this country. You had quite a lot of, um, uh, involvement, if I remember, I think I remember rightly, in terms of, um, advising on how to identify seized material in terms mm-hmm. of the location of the child, which was a huge thing for me. Law enforcement always seemed to be trying to keep pace in terms of the criminality of things. But I was never sure as to whether the, on the forensic side, the, the identifying of uh, tens of thousands of child victims w- was really moving as fast as it could. Do, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't moving at all, really. Mm. Uh, we, we did have some successes, obviously. Together, because I was working closely, particularly with the European and, and American, mm. um, but when it comes to, 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 to children we were trying to identify that had been abused, um, we, we discussed uh, at, at Interpol, physically at Interpol, certain children, and so France, um, Germany, ourselves, Italy, Switzerland, we would all get together and say, right, We've got this stuff. Let's have a look at it. Da, 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 da. Uh, and we identified quite a few children in that way and brought offenders to book. One offender was actually um, arrested in Paris and they, he was languishing for about six weeks in a cell. We didn't realize he was there at first. But, uh, yeah, we caught him um, between us. Yeah. But, as you rightly say, things went very slowly. Um, I always called for an international... Um, library of, of mm. abusive images, uh, bear in mind there are millions of them, so technology had to be good. Uh, and as I understand it, that now exists. I don't know how effective it is. Um, Does that mean it, the Euro, Europol now had yeah, that, well, or I'm not sure whether it's Europol or, or Interpol. Of course, we've got problems with Europol now because we're not there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that, and I, I'm not sure how successful they are with that, but that was certainly something that I thought ought to be done. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. things did move, have always moved slowly when it comes to, to child protection. But I think now, if you, from, from where I sit, um, we're getting our act together after Rotherham um, mm, and Rochdale and, and the Jay report I think people started to take it all a little more seriously far more seriously well tell, um, me, tell, tell me sorry can I just ask one more a quick mm-hmm. one on that subject before we moved on I, I mean do you believe I think I do but I, I want to ask your opinion on this that people these days are more aware of what safeguarding is and what the police and social services can do in terms of prevention and are far more sensitive now in terms of receiving uh, uh, alleged victims information, adults telling them about uh, historic abuse and so on. 
And so we are finding more adults coming forward now because they, there's more, a bit more trust around. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, one of the things is that children, uh, when they're abused, they very often won't make the allegation. Um, mm. You know who's doing it, where they're doing it. I mean, obviously, there's a police officer who would be rushing there, but um, they won't. They won't necessarily report it. But when they get in, maybe into their twenties or even later, mm. they'll decide that you know, I think I, I want this dealt with. Um, yeah. The problem with that is, of course, that forensic stuff's gone. Um, and, 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 and you get to the stage where it's one person's word against another. So all the time you have to look out for additional, additional evidence, which will, and that will be probably circumstantial as well, um, into, in, into the abuse. I know of loads of cases like that. So, but I think that people are trusting the, the police more. Having said that, um, I'm not sure that we're getting the allegations against uh, uh, in relation to rape, right? Um, mm. And uh, I think one of the things is people don't understand, why should they, how the Crown Prosecution Service and the police put the thing together and they're doing their very best to get enough information to go forward with the prosecution. But then there has to be uh, a better than even chance that you're going to succeed in prosecution. Mm. And I mean, a friend of mine is a neighbor, um, a judge, he sits at Snaresbrook Crown Court. And he said, you know, Mike, we need more. We just need more because juries actually are loath to, um, find people guilty if, if you haven't, if you haven't got lots of evidence because he said they are aware that if they find somebody guilty, then that's their life, sure, as we know, yeah. over. Um, and, you know. Well, let me ask it, you this. It, it, it is difficult for, it's difficult for juries as well. All right. No, no, I, I, I do. I take point. What about the court system these days? Because, I mean, obviously, we've got an extra X factor in there with all the COVID issues and the pandemic, mm. you know, making a huge great waiting list and stacking up the courts even more than usual, or far more than usual. Yeah. But what about the experience of court these days for youngsters? I mean, I, I, I remember, oh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, talking so seriously about the, the way that children were treated in court. And it has got a bit better, you know, with video links and with screens and with all sorts of other things going on in terms of actually taking care of children. But it's still an adversarial system mm. where, you know, it, it's who wins. That's what it's all about, you know, no matter yeah. what. And it's still in the juvenile system. Whereas on the continent... It's all about, they say, we'd say, getting at the truth rather than who wins. And, and, and they, you know, they, they even in France, for example, they have the, um, the juge des enfants who can even go and live with a family, if that in an extreme case, to try and get to the bottom of what the hell's going on. Um, but in this country, it's still you employ the best barrister with the best mouth. And, you know, that's a distinct advantage uh, in terms of, um, Winning. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I just you're wonder right. what you thought about that, really, yeah? Well, see, the court system is, to me, it's always been theatre. Mm. Um, and as you rightly say, it's, you know, 
the person that talks a good job or whatever, unless it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but my experience, and I live amongst barristers and judges. Oh, you live um, up there, don't you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I live in one of the inns of court. And so a lot of my friends are judges or uh, high-flying barristers. Um, and they are far more aware of the need for child witnesses or vulnerable witnesses, let's make it broader, hmm. um, that they've got to be treated properly. Yeah. And, you know, the adversarial, a lot of the adversarial stuff has gone, and particularly in rape cases. So, you know, all this sort of confrontational stuff is watered down. That's what I was uh, wondering about, what your opinion on that down. was. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely watered down. Um, uh, but you still, it's still got to be fair, and you're still looking... They are looking for the truth, uh, and justice. You know, as you say, we we it's still adversarial because mm. at the end, the defence counsel sums up and says, "Well, you know, da 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 da," uh, and they have the last. Well, they don't have the last say because the last say is the judge. Mm. Um, but and they appeal to the jury uh, as a. So we're dealing with humans and human emotion. Yeah. Um, and it's far more complicated than just reading a book, if you know what I mean. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate what you said, too, about theatre. I mean, um, look, look, I'm just having a quick look here. I'm enjoying talking to you so much. We've got about five or ten minutes left. And I don't want to leave anything out. And, and I certainly want to give two or three minutes at the end for you to give a message out there to mm. safeguarding professionals today. Uh, about how you see things. But but before we get there, can I just ask you a little bit about something that you really impressed me about when I first met you, when you were working in Scotland Yard. You used the media as a tool, in my yeah. view, um, as, as a kind of an aid, if you like, in order to either identify or uh, educate or, or whatever, didn't you? I mean, that, that yeah. was something that you made a conscious choice about, if I remember. Yeah, I did. It wasn't always uh, looked upon favourably, but I, I made the decision that I would use the media because they're very, very important mm. uh, in getting the message across to society um, about how, you know, what goes on, actually, yeah. factual. Um, and so uh, I, I would I would brief um, journalists, um, both um, printed and and uh, and and uh, on the television and radio about what was going on and the results of some of our cases, which were in the public domain. Mm. Um, and I think it's an important important part of safeguarding. Unfortunately, yeah. in, in the last few years, um, the police have been, seems to me, uh, dissuaded from. Um, doing quite what I did. I mean, they'll talk, obviously, on camera about um, particular cases and appeals for help from the public. But I wanted to get more deeply into the phenomenon that we're facing, which is children being abused, not just sexually, but in all the other ways, emotional neglect, um, violence. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And it's quite successful, actually. 
No, well, I, I agree with you. I mean, and listen, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. And if you remember rightly, I, I ended up doing loads of media myself because I yep. felt that that was the platform. I mean, yes. 99% of the public today get their either their information or their or education sometimes and opinions from some kind of a media. So whether it's broadcast yep. or written or social, that's where that's where the shop windows are. And if you ain't in that shop window arguing your point, then you're you're less likely to to show people where the dangers are and 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 how to avoid it. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And I don't think that law enforcement, uh, or for that matter, social services are mm. no, doing it in the way. Don't that... tell me about social social work, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I I still have never seen a headline that said social worker does good job. And they do. They do brilliant work. I mean, so why not say? Yeah. Because, you know, I know that the media concentrate on on, on the horror and, <clears throat> oh dear, but at the same time, you can, you, by really good use of media and the tools that they have now, <clears throat> uh, why should we let all the bad guys have all the tools and mess <laughs> around, you know, and fake news and all this nonsense? I, Let's I, we, yeah. actually go on the front foot and say, hi, yeah. this is what... And we educate people. But well, you've what, got to do it. You can't do it in a boring way. They'll switch off. No. Um, One quick thing then before we get on to the last part, but just, just quickly on that, because I know you were always interested in, in, in looking at in ways to improve finding missing children, the whole vulnerability thing as well. Mm. And you mentioned that right at the beginning from Benjamin's work as well. You know, mm. I mean, uh, do you think we should have a much more overt um, and publicly kind of friendly um, um, alert system as they do in some other countries when children mm. go missing. Yeah, the motorway stuff and... and, and um, everything, well, yeah. everything, anything we can find to alert people, yeah. uh, you know, within that, that critical few hours. Yes, I mean, we normally, the police wait at least 24, maybe 48 yeah. hours or three days whilst the child's missing, before they put them up, uh, put images up, and they, as you know, have to get the authority of, of a local authority and the parents, if mm. that's relevant. Um, but, yeah, we should be more proactive in that in, in that sense because news is coming out all the time, isn't it? I mean, it's a 24-hour thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are, some, there are, there are places that, that, that can media can help so much. Yeah. You know, even if it's just, well, anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, I, I, I personally think that there should be far more that we can do at relatively low cost. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 I've got a, a Netflix um, thing coming out in the autumn um, talking about the development from the time I joined the police in 1964 to now and how how the police have changed what they do and how they do it up until today. Mm. Uh, and, and thinking about that, my God, how it's changed. But we're talking about 50 years. I mean, I hate to say how old I am, but all this time it's taken to get actually not as far as we need to be. I know. Well, Luke, we'll have you back on in the autumn obviously when that goes out and you can push it and tell people about it more on, on mm. this program as well sure. but for now we've got about you know, a couple of minutes or whatever just to, if you would please imagine 
um, that you are talking to an enormous great class of millions of potential and recently arrived safeguarding workers in different disciplines, whether it's police, social services, health, education, wherever. I mean, or somebody says contemplating going into that kind of work, what, what, what would you say to them? Well, I think, first of all, you need to actually have a passion for it. And that's an overworked view. Mm. Word, passion, but mm. you need to actually have the real desire to help help children. Mm. Um, and one of the big things, to my mind, is the ability to think about what you're seeing. In other words, professional curiosity. Think about it. You see something, start to think about it and discuss it, and actually try and be a little little detective, as I call myself, mm. um, to, 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 to work things out and to come to a conclusion. And But the crucial thing is interagency working. I mean, that is top yeah. of the list, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say those, those things, professional curiosity, um, a passion for it, and interagency working, and follow-up, you know. Mm. Um, just make sure that what you're, you contribute something, just... Have a look, see if it's been done, because all schools have got safeguarding officers. Um, if your child is taken to hospital with an injury, um, the, the hospital will get in touch with school and social services. Mm. I mean, you know, we're getting there. Mm. All right, Mike. I wish I could go on talking to you all day about this. I mean, it really brings back sort of some really good memories of us working. Together. We're still at it. We're, We're still, still at, it. at it, and we still will be. And that mm. little clue you gave us about Netflix in the autumn, I think, would be lovely if I can talk to you mm. sort of around about the launch of that, sure. um, and come back and uh, see how things is going. But listen, in the meantime, thank you very much for coming back on and sharing it on the program. And I do know, and I think everybody should realise, in that last question I asked you, you mentioned a couple of crucial things, which were to do with the fact that you've got to be aware, you've got to be passionate, but you've got to be aware too, you're going to have some kind of tough things to deal with, and, and mm. it's not going to be stress-free. However, yes. it'll be satisfying. And on I, the other I, hand, I, that, that's why I've started a second podcast on a far less <laughs> stressful subject, because I felt we were getting into, I'm getting into slave-free trade, Human trafficking, we haven't talked about any of that, but we didn't have all that huge amount of work we can still talk mm. about another time. But listen. The please... other thing, can I just say, oh, David, yeah, before yeah, we go? Yeah. Go on, go, go. Keep yeah. safe. If you're in this job, keep yourself safe. Yeah. And, and make sure that, you know, a bit of mindfulness and uh, you know, enjoy yourself, because otherwise you get so bloody depressed that, you know, so take care. And remember, there are a lot of people in this world, you might not realise it, that really value what you do. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. That's very kind of you to be on the programme, and I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you.